0: dreams and visions you know there was a movie released in 2020 i believe if i had my son here he could tell me for sure but i believe it was released in 2020 called wonder woman 1984. is that right you don't be looking at me like you so sanctified you're halo all crooked on your horns you young people you know you know wonder woman 1984. pastor jp knows it I know that he does. Well in 1984, God gave me an open vision. Now that's different than a night vision. A night vision is a dream. A goal is just a dream with a date attached. That's what Aston Blair taught us last night. What I wanna bring you is a master class in the in time language. Huh. heaven now that language is very very often expressed through spiritual dreams and visions they are the stock and staple of the spirit realm they are the commerce and the culture of heaven and God full well intends through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit I said the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to release to you spiritual dreams and visions. They are the language of heaven. And if you say, well, I'm not having spiritual dreams and visions, you're probably out of calling distance, like your cell phone when you don't have any bars on it. It's not that he stopped talking, it's that you're beyond the range of hearing. Let me remind you that we are that generation destined. Shove somebody and tell them I have a destiny. Type it in right now. I have a destiny. We are the generation destined for experiential. There is a divorce in the church, you know. Oh, I, I just hit Patriot. I said there's a divorce in the church. There's a divorce between glory and government. And everybody retreats to either one end of that spectrum where the pendulum swings all the way to one side or the other our nation is divided it's divided politically it's divided racially but not here I thought I heard somebody shout not here not here the Columbus Dispatch said World Ever Church is the place where black and white dance together arm in arm in their happy stalking feet. And we intend to stay that way. There is a divorce. Shout divorce. We got the glory crowd. They're all about experience. And then, then we've got the government crowd. They're all about law. The problem is neither of them are right you never find right on the extremes you find right in the middle that's the reason Samuel ancient Samuel all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a prophet anointed of God how'd they know it God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground Samuel stood immovably in the middle, looked at the left and the right, the glory and the government, and said, you're both wrong. I'm not talking about the United States government. I'm talking about law over liberty. I'm talking about legalism. And on the other hand, I'm talking about that manifestation that we're getting into and now, now, now far be it from me to make trouble but thank God for Charity and Ryan, thank God for, for Harvest Music Live thank God for great churches that are raising up music that touches beyond the realm of the emotions beyond the realm of the soul and touches the spirit Thank God for writers who write doctrine, blood, cross, resurrection, forgiveness, mercy, grace, judgment, heaven, hell. So if you have just glory, then you have vain emotionalism. It's soulish. If you have just government, then you have law. And that's dead too that's based on works but if you come in the middle then by being informed and walking in authority and honor and structure scripturally you will open yourself to the glory and we are that generation shout we are that generation We are that generation destined for the experiential manifestation and revelation of the glory of God. Wow. What is his glory? It's the Shekinah. It's the tangibility of God. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God that has tangibility? Aren't you glad that faith is not blind? I'm going to try again. We walk by faith, not by sight, but that does not mean that faith is blind. Faith is not blind. Faith enables you to see what cannot be seen. Now faith is the substance of the things you hope for, the evidence of the things you cannot see. So faith is the substance, the tangibility of the things you cannot perceive with your five natural senses. Somebody says, I'm about to see something I've never seen, hear something I've never heard, experience something I've never experienced. Job chapter 33. That's where I'll take a text for no other reason than you can tell your parents I did. Here it is, Job 33:14. 14. I'm going to go straight through it. Because if I don't, I will be in these verses come January they are the most powerful and prophetic words in the 1166 pages of your bible Patricia in Texas and Daniel in Kentucky and Cheryl in Washington and Rick in Wisconsin and Kay in Louisiana so where's Mississippi where's Alabama where's North Carolina South Carolina let me know Job thirty-three, fourteen. 14 for God speaks once now that would be enough he is after all God but it doesn't say he speaks once it says he speaks twice twice is not the total amount that God speaks it is simply the smallest amount that God will speak it represents to us the double enunciation of God what does that mean That means that God will always keep speaking. The sweet psalmist of Israel did not just say, my Lord. He said, my Lord and my God. When God was speaking to Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, he did not simply say Saul. He said, Saul, Saul seated at the triclinium Jesus and his disciples looking across the table is about to tell Simon Peter that he's about to be sifted as wheat but that God Jesus had prayed for him that his faith failed not I should just lay my mic down and go home right now I just told you that Satan desires to sift you like wheat But, Pastor Rod didn't pray for you. Some other pastor, some other minister didn't pray for you. Mom and daddy didn't pray for you. Jesus is praying for you. The great intercessor. And he is not praying in vague generality. He is praying with absolute what? Specificity. Hmm. I didn't get married till I was 29. That was a long time. 29 years old. All oh, during that time I was pastoring and I would ask God to send me a wife. I mean, I'm pastoring at that time, thousands of people and I, I, I need a companion, right? And I prayed. God, well, I prayed my Baptist prayer because I am still a Baptist. I prayed, oh, God, because all good Baptists know God's first name is O. Oh, God. And I prayed and I said, God, I need a wife, a wife. So I prayed, I got to hurry. I prayed, Elder Canfield. I prayed and I said, God, I need a wife. And then all of these answers started showing up. And I decided to stop praying. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't want to wake up every morning and look at that. I just, I just didn't think I could, you know. So then I began praying with specificity. I said, God, now I, I don't want an unattractive woman. And Miss Joni showed up. Now, how about that? He's, a still, he's still a prayer answering God. For God will speak once. Yes, he'll speak twice. Yet man does not perceive it. Oh, there's the issue. I, I, can't, I can't teach. Verse 15. In a dream, how, how does God speak once? Yes, twice. He answered that question in the very next verse. In a dream. So why are preachers against dreams? In a dream, in a vision of the night. A night vision is a dream. A day vision is an open vision. When deep sleep falls upon men. Now that's your problem. You never get to deep sleep. Because you look at those blue screens. For an hour before you go to bed Or you have a bowl of ice cream So you're laying in bed With the sugar jitters You have to prepare yourself Abba I belong to you Lord Jesus I worship you Holy Spirit I welcome you You prepare the atmosphere Don't send your children to bed With a tablet don't do it don't go to bed with your cellular device don't do it get ready God wants to talk to you in dreams and visions when deep sleep falls upon men in slumber on their beds verse 16 then he opens God opens my ears and seals my instruction while i sleep you want to get a song birth of the spirit of god in deep slumber he'll release it into your spirit do you understand that what happens in your spirit in you is greater than what happens to you. Do you know you spend a third of your entire life asleep? Do you think that God ceases his operation in your life? No. People fall out under the spirit. Nobody even knows why. They fall out under the spirit so God can turn off their mind, will and emotions and their body so that he can release to them spiritually it's not some kind of sideshow, jesus i told you i couldn't get through this then he opens the ears of men shout god open my ears and seals their instruction when when they're sitting in church when they're in a worship service when did he say he would do it in deep sleep he will open the ears of men and seal their instruction. You missed destruction today by the instruction God gave you last night when you were asleep that your mind, will, and emotions have not even caught up with. Listen to what he does. So that he can turn aside man from man's purpose. Otherwise, you'll go your own way. God corrects your course while you sleep. Stop looking for the spectacular. You're missing the supernatural. You're looking for lightning bolts, and God wants to direct you by His Spirit. I've never received lightning bolts. Your life is supposed to be a series of seemingly insignificant events that simply lead you to the place God has you. And where you are right now is in the center of the circumference of the perfect will of God for you unless you're in rebellion, which is to acknowledge that God spoke to you and to say to God, I refuse that instruction. If you have not done that and you haven't, then you are right now on shouting ground, because God in eternity past saw you sitting right now where you are. So get happy. I said get happy. All right, I'm gonna go straight through it. That he might turn aside men from man's purpose and conceal pride from man. Uh, Conceal pride from man listen to the next verse in your sleep he keeps your soul back from the pit i wish somebody just raise a little hand and say thank you just say thank you online are you typing say thank you thank him right now that he kept your soul from the pit and he has kept your life from perishing by the sword thank him not only for what you know he brought you out of but what you know he kept you from I said, thank you. All right, here we go. Uh, Acts 2.17, nobody, you know, I want to help all the dispensationalists. I want you to be sure that I have New Testament for it as well. In the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon your all flesh your sons and your daughters shall rave and play the part of the fool prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams has nothing to do with age has to do with seasoning maturity in the things of god we got 70 year old infant christians who've been serving god for 50 years they shout, I've been down the aisles. I've been in the way for 50 years. And everybody says, you need to get out of the way. Psalm 127, verse 2. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Support translation. If you look it up in other translations, it's better translation translated as this. God gives to his beloved in his sleep. Did you know that God sets aside your sleep to give to you not sleep he gives the things of his kingdom to you why do you sleep why your spirit never ever sleeps your spirit came from god god never sleeps never slumbers satan is a spirit that's the reason he is never off duty and since you've been born again, you have never been off duty. Your spirit is eternally alive. The message Bible translates it this way He gives blessings. Get ready to shout. He gives blessing to his beloved in his sleep. Now throw your hands up and say, I slept for four hours last night. I am blessed. Every dream carries with it the potential to create a movement. You are a tsunami of the kingdom of God. You are a culturally incorrect agent of redemptive change looking for a place to explode. Jacob dreamed of a ladder with angels ascending and angels descending. Pharaoh dreamed of seven years of feasting and seven years of famine. Joseph dreamed of his brothers bowing down to him. It was in a dream through which Gideon saw the Midianites slain before him. Daniel saw and interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dreams of kings and kingdoms, of brass and iron, of gold and silver and of clay. Joseph was warned in a dream to flee from Egypt, from King Herod, with Mary and the Lord of glory in tow. Pilate's wife, being warned in a dream, told Pilate, don't have anything to do with the death of Jesus. This Jesus is a just man. Hebrew, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, here's where I'm trying to get to, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, say dreams and visions talk, it will not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, the victory of faith is won or lost in the arena of waiting expectantly. I have prayed, therefore I believe. I believe I shall have it, not that I do have it. Wait for it. It will surely come and it will not tarry. The vision still speaks. In 1974, That was, I don't know, 44 years ago, something like that. 1974, I climbed behind a pulpit with a Bible in one hand and a microphone in the other for the very first time. 1974, I had a vision. 1975, I graduated from high school. I became the first of the... 150-year history of that school, I became the first to be inducted into their Hall of Fame. And oh, my classmates got so upset. That plastic Jesus. That's what they called me in high school. That plastic Jesus. In my yearbook, beside my senior picture, I wrote down, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. 1976, I enrolled in Bible college, like many of you. I did that because I'd become violently ill. I was trying to work. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I had had a dream. And I was driving down the road with my mother, And my mother said, look, we've had you to every doctor in Columbus, Ohio. They can't find anything wrong with you. What is wrong with you? What do you want to do with your life? And I screamed, which was not a good thing to do to Mother Parson. I screamed and I said, maybe I want to preach. And just as quickly, if I could have, I reached out there and grabbed those words and swallowed them back down. I said with the next breath, no, I don't, and I have no idea why I said that. So she said, if God is dealing with your heart, you need to go enroll in Bible college. Well, I didn't know what else to do, so I did. You mean you didn't have a burning bush experience? No. I'd read about one. You you mean that you didn't hear a voice of many waters behind you saying, yay? No. 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 In my natural mind, will, emotions, I never heard God say a thing about going into ministry. What? You mean you weren't called? Oh, I was called. I think the evidence bears it out. 46 years of it now. I was directed upon my path. So I enrolled in Bible college. Well, yeah, but you started the church. Yeah. In 1977, I was uh, at, my mother was a real estate broker, and she was listing a home. And the home happened to be of one of her friends, and her friend said, I heard you've gone off to Bible college. I said, yes, ma'am, I have. And she said, well, uh, my my girlfriend and I, we just love to study the Bible. Would you teach us the Bible? And I thought. (laughs) And I said, why, sure. And my mother said, Why don't you just come over on Thursday? It's summertime, and we'll just make a barbecue, and Rod can teach us the Bible. Seventeen people showed up. Twelve of them were my family. Five of them were not my family. And that's how I started this church. the will of god is not something you find the will of god is what you wake up in the will of god is what you walk in the will of god is where you are right now so shout right there where you are a year and a half later 1979 my father And my two uncles and myself, I bought 12 acres of land or 10 acres of land. It cost $12,000 more money than I'd ever seen in one place in my life. I said, I don't have any idea how I'm ever going to pay for this land. You can't get a loan from a bank on raw land. So I went and asked 12 friends, if you loan me, I don't do that anymore. I don't like to get a loan. I like to give a loan. But back then, I had to get a loan, so I did. I asked 12 people for $1,000 each and told them I'd give it back to them in a year. (laughs) 12 months later, I had their $12,000. I took each one of them $1,000 back. And when I came home, I still had 11,000. Only one of them kept it. And my uncle said, hi. We got our hammers and our tool belts because we were all carpenters by trade. And we went to building a little frame building, 180 seats. I thought it would never be filled. You say you weren't full of faith. Faith, I didn't know what faith was. I'm 19 years old. But what I had in front of me, I did. They said, well, we better give you a salary. I was working two jobs, going to college full time and started this church. You're awfully quiet. You're looking for matching funds and all that kind of stuff. I had no denomination. I had no backing. I had no millionaires. I didn't have anybody that was even well off. It took me four years before we had an offering that totaled $1,000. It hadn't always been like this. 1979, we opened that 180 seat building with a steeple and a bell that we rang on Sunday morning. Like a real church. 180 seats. That's where I met Miss Ashton's lovely mother and my beautiful wife. She was a vision. You're supposed to laugh there. Anyway, in 1982, We were doing five services a week. Please remember this is 1982. No one had ever heard of a multiple service. We did not have multiple services to coincide with people's tea times. We had multiple services because we could not get the people in the building. Five services. 1982. So we doubled the size of it and we built 400 seats. Oh, that thing... It, it might as well have been the, uh, the Horseshoe in downtown Columbus, 400 seats. That's when we started World Horse Bible Institute. 1983, I met a man named Dr. Lester Sumrall. He came to that little 400-seat building. We set up speakers in the windows. There were more people outside than inside because we couldn't get all the people in the building at one time. And they all wanted to come to hear this great man of God that cast the devil out of one girl in Bid Prison, Manila, the Philippines, and 150,000 adults came to Christ in six weeks time. And then we, we moved on. We, We said, well, this this thing seems to be going pretty good. People say, how did you get that kind of growth? I have no idea. All I did was obey. I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to hold on. But the Spirit of God was directing me. That first service was amazing in our relationship continued. In 1988 we built Harvest Hall at Wright Road. In 1989 my daughter was born. But in 1984 I had a vision. I was standing on the platform the place was packed, and we had the back doors open, and people were sitting outside down the, into the parking lot. And we were worshiping, and suddenly the back wall of that 1,200-seat building disappeared. Who'd ever heard of such a thing? I thought everybody could see it. And I saw An image that God required me to not look fully at. And he had a sword in his hand. And the sword went around three times and I could hear it. And the third time it struck that image above one knee, down across the middle of the other knee. And it fell to the side. And it had a crown. Like that. And the crown rolled off of his head. I could tell that that crown, glittering, I thought first were jewels, but they were light, and it was the skyline of Columbus, Ohio, and it was wrapped around the head of our adversary. And that sword struck him, and that crown rolled off his head. And then like you'd zip a zippers, it was gone. But it never left me. It's still there. It's more real than looking at you. It took me over 30 years to find out what the three turns of that sword meant. I begged God to show me. But He didn't show me until I was attacked with vocal cord cancer and could not speak. And God said, I'm going to bring you out of this. And you're going to fulfill that vision. I said, in that moment when it zipped and it was all gone, I heard God say, who among you is brave enough? Who among you is strong enough to pick up that crown and place it on the head of the Savior? Hmm. And for the last 40 years, that's what I've been doing. For 40 years, chasing a vision. But visions speak. Visions talk. Visions accelerate. Get ready. Because when you receive a spiritual dream or vision, the language of heaven, God speaking to you, deep crying out to deep, he's going to change you. I was 28 years old, that year I traveled around the world, I traveled to Japan, I traveled to communist China preaching this gospel, I traveled to South Korea, I traveled to Singapore, I traveled to Hong Kong, I preached, I'm 28 years old, I went to the Philippines and preached cross-crossed the width and breadth of that nation, ended up in Hawaii. I came home and preached the first Dominion camp meeting with Dr. Lester Sumrall and Dwight Thompson and Norval Hayes in 1984 in April, four months after receiving that vision. God gave me the vision of resurrection seed to build a $147,000 building and that one vision has now accumulated for the work of the gospel over one hundred and twenty million dollars. One one vision. One word. If it was your hundred and twenty, you'd be shouting. It wasn't mine, it was the kingdom's. Seven months later, we built an office building debt-free. Eight months later, God gave me my first airplane it was oh that's not it that was a whole lot later God gave me my first one though free it was a (laughs) two-seater and then I went uh, to a Cessna uh, 427 a Cessna 427 and then I went into a King Air And then I went graduated up to pure jets and a hawker and then I went from a hawker I said my pastor's flying a falcon and I want a falcon so I believe God for a falcon and God gave it to me now now you understand I wasn't flying airplanes to go on vacation i flew my own airplane for over 30 years and i preached between 150 and 200 nights a year on that airplane and brought every single penny back and built this ministry with it every book every tape every honorarium every offering right into here to build the kingdom of god i've had seven airplanes seven airplanes that one you threw up there that was the last one let me look at it. Yeah, that's a Gulf Stream. You see, it seated 17 persons. And I flew it till the wheels came off of it. And just the other day, do you remember we were in service and I had laid hands on uh, Pastor Evans Kariuki? and God had given him a brand new helicopter. And I said, no, God's gonna give you an airplane. And six weeks later, a man walked up to him and gave it to him. Well, it's a good thing to be connected. That young man graduated from Valor Christian College and is right now about to complete a 26 story church building in the main intersection of Nairobi, Kenya, paid for in cash. And so Miss Deborah George was here with Evans. You remember, those of you that watch. And I, I laid hands on her and said, God's going to give you an airplane. Now, I didn't say it because I wanted to say it. Why would I want to say it? Then my reputation's on the line. You say, well, yeah, but God told you to. Yeah, but they, they can find God. They can find me. They don't put out ugly tweets about God. They don't talk on Facebook about Jesus. They talk about Jesus' people. So get ready. And the other day, a man walked up to me. And he said, I've been working on this now for about 15 years. And I've had seven airplanes. They're all all called Shamgar, God on the move. And, And I've been believing for number eight. And a man walked up to me and he said, I've been working on this for a decade, over 10 years. And he said, I'm just about ready to deliver Shamgar 8. I said, well, my address is, in 1986, we launched Harvest Preparatory School. That was one year after that vision. I'm trying to show you the acceleration in a vision. What year am I in? 1986? In 1986, we launched Harvest Preparatory School. In 1986, we broke ground one year after that vision from a 1,200-seat building to a 5,200 seat tabernacle, the largest tabernacle complex north of the Mason-Dixon line and east of the Mississippi River. We moved into it after Joni and I got married in October. We're still married, 35 years this October. And in 1987, A year and a half after God gave me that vision, we moved into the 5,200 seat tabernacle that I'm preaching to you from right now. And within a year after that, we were filling it up three times a week. That's less than eight years from a lady sitting in her kitchen saying, will you teach us the Bible to this? no help no no financial backing no matching money no lightning bolts just a vision so i went to russia my pastor said we need to go to russia i said well my wife's about to give birth he said, okay, we'll wait till the baby's born and then we're going. I said, okay. So in 1991, July 11th, my son was born. A few months later, I was on my way to Russia. God, I was handsome, one not I? I'm just kidding. I was on my way to Russia. Don't marry a needy woman or man. Not if you're going to be in kingdom work. Don't marry somebody, they fall apart if you haven't seen them for the last three days. And you'll never be a complete person if you're waiting on somebody to complete you. Please stop. So I went to Russia I preached in the 22,000-seat linen sports arena built for the Olympic Games and an entire battalion of the Red Army gave their lives to Jesus, went outside that stadium, stopped city buses in the street, preached the gospel they just heard for the first time and made. and then the people made seats out of the city buses and made altars out of them, I mean, out of the seats and got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit and healed on the city buses. I wanted to expand our television ministry. I tried and tried and tried, and all I got was closed doors. That was that crusade. That woman had been in a wheelchair for 22 years. Don't you know that mountains are still being moved? But you've got to get delivered from binging on Netflix till three in the morning and find a place of prayer and get yourself quieted before God and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to speak life and direction and peace and freedom into your spirit. Uh. I came home from Russia and there were two contracts laying on my desk. One from the Trinity Broadcasting Network and one from the Daystar Network, the two largest networks in the world at that time. I had asked them for one 30-minute airtime a week. Both of the contracts were for nine 30-minute programs a week. I didn't have a penny, and I said, sign it! So I did, and we stayed. We're still on Daystar, unfortunately no longer on TBM, but we were there for over 30 years. For many years, we bought more television airtime than any ministry in the country. Seven days a week up to 15 times a day around the world. And I never saw a lightning bolt and I never heard a voice. All I had was a dream and a vision. And they're still talking. That was the year I preached repairs of the breach, Pastor Amos, for the first time. And somebody helping me before the service, one of my executives, said to me, Now listen, I've been out there, and I don't know what that craziness of that bridge thing is. Nobody had ever heard of an illustrated sermon. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? multiple services in 1984 are you kidding a 5200 seat tabernacle not on the buckle of the bible belt in Columbus Ohio the neighbors called a meeting I thought they were going to congratulate me I fixed them punch and little sandwiches and they sat there. I said, Well, what did you want to meet with me about? And one portly gentleman stood up and said, What do you even think you're doing? We've heard this building will seat 5,000 people. I said, 5,200? No, 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 it sounds easy now. I was 29 years old. But I didn't show it. I didn't despise my youth. They said, I'll tell you exactly what they said. They said, well, we're not sure we are in agreement with this. And I thought to myself, I don't know that you need to be, but I'm going to be polite and listen to you because I'm a preacher. One One time, Joni, said to me, she said, she said, they better not do such a thing to you. You're a man of God. And I said, you think I'm a man of God? It kind of startled me. And she said, well, you play one on TV. <laughs> they said, we've heard, and they went just like this, they went, there are black people that come to your church. I said, lots of them, lots of them. People ask me, what did you do to have such a racially integrated church? I, I, I didn't notice. Well, did you do something with your music? No. Well, did you do something with your preaching? No. Well, what program did you use? Obedience. That's it. That's all I know. They want me to give them a formula. I don't have a formula. I have a vision, and I have a dream, and I have a Bible. I'm closing. They said, they said in that meeting, they said, they said, do you have 5,000 people in your church? And just up out of my spirit came, I shall have. I'm digging a ditch. They said, what? I said, I'm digging a ditch. God said, if you don't see cloud nor rain, dig a ditch, and I'll make this valley full of water. And he did. The second meeting we were in this building, there were cars parked on Gender Road all the way to 33 and all the way to 70, and the parking lots were full, and there were over 8,500 people here. God so I wrote down in my Bible I said God I want you to do things so incredibly supernatural that men and women will have to look past me and only see you because only you could have done this don't you want god to do something in your life that only he could do don't you it's not about human ingenuity it's not about your mental prowess it's about your spirit being connected to the living spirit of god and of his christ and you being obedient lift your hands now say i receive the direction of god I'm a spirit being, and I receive the direction of God's Spirit when I sleep this night and hereafter. Lead on, O King Eternal. Now, if you believe he's going to do it, give him the greatest praise you've given him all day. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed be the holy name of Blessed God forever. Be name of God. Blessed, be his name. Blessed be his name. Are you ready? Are you believing? Yes. That tonight God will direct you? That God will protect you? Yes. That God will deliver you from whatever pit the adversary has for you tomorrow? Uh-huh. So that when you... You open your eyes tomorrow and you swing your feet out of that bed and onto the floor. You know, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord today. Yes. He's already ordered them. Yes, You learned about ordering during this pandemic. Just go online and order it. God's ordering your steps. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. sure. He's going to make your feet like Heinz feet from one mountaintop to the other I pray for you now that the spirit of the living God and of his Christ rest upon you in Jesus name amen hey thanks for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed it I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast hope you'll do it today God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.